Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. In today's episode, we're catching up with Montana Governor Steve Bullock. He's running for president, although you may not hear a lot about him. His polling numbers are so poor, he isn't even making it onto the Democratic debate stage. But he was recently in town where he made an appearance over at Arizona State University, and he had a fundraiser scheduled in Scottsdale. Ron caught up with him and asked him about his platform and different ways that Democrats could appeal to red state voters like he has in Montana. Yeah, hello, Governor, can you hear me? I sure can, Ron. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for taking the time here. I promise to be uh, pretty quick here. Um, let me just uh, roll it out to you this way. Um, Governor, what should Democrats know about you as they consider all their choices in the Democratic primary? Well, thanks, Ron. Yeah, I'm the only one in this field that actually won in a Trump state. He took Montana by 20. I got reelected uh, with four. 25 to 30 percent of my voters voted for Donald Trump. We need to be able to win back these places that we lost and be competitive in places like Arizona if we're going to win this election. I've also uh, served with a majority Republican legislature, yet we've been able to get progressive, meaningful things done, like expanding health care, taking dark money out of our elections, record investments in education. And the fight of my career has really been taking dark money and uh, the influence of money out of our elections. And if we're ever going to make progress in everything from income inequality to climate change to drug prices, we have to address money in politics. So if someone that doesn't come from the coast, that is a governor, meaning I actually have to get things done and they can win places that we need to win, I think I offer something that not only win this election, but actually start getting government working again. Right. Um, so everyone says that Arizona is in play in 2020. Certainly Senator Kirsten Sinema's victory here last year uh, with her moderate record and, and message seemed to be uh, a, the winning formula here in 2018. That was the first time in 30 years a Democrat picked up a Senate seat here with that in mind, how do you specifically win Arizona in 2020? I know you talked about winning in a red state, but this is Montana and Arizona, you know, are a little bit different in terms of demographics. We also have a, a large urban population. How do you specifically uh, have, you know, success here? Yeah, and uh, I think a state like Montana has been traditionally a lot redder than a state like Arizona. I think we have to recognize a couple of different things, one of which is that um, dem as Democrats, often we see the rural areas, like folks aren't even showing up, and we need to be able to make our case urban and rural, and I think that that should be for the next presidential candidate in Arizona. I think when we focus also on the challenges of you know, folks' everyday lives, not on sort of the big intellectual issues. You know, when you have 60% of the population hasn't had a pay increase in real terms in 40 years, or when I was growing up, 90% of 30-year-olds are doing better than the transfer at age 30. Today, it's only half. And we need to focus on folks' 
opportunity to kind of live that better life, have that fair shot at the future, address many of the pocketbook issues that people are facing, as well as some of our greater challenges, like immigration. And I think how you do it is being able to make a connection to voters so that they'll believe that the person that they elect, and more than that, just Washington, D.C. can finally start working for them again. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about one of the, the crucial voting blocks in Arizona. That's independent voters. Uh, here they have a long history of voting Republican in presidential races. Do proposals like Medicare for all and, and other subjects that we've heard in the Democratic primaries to date, do they really resonate widely in a place like this? And if not, what does? Well, I think that's, you know, most independents that I talk to, and actually most Democrats that I talk to, they're not asking for everything for free. What they want is, you know, that fair shot and a better life. So I don't, you now look, we need to do things to make sure that health care is accessible and affordable for all. We can do that with, like, a public option, being able to negotiate prescription drug prices, getting rid of surprise medical billing and out-of-network charges. But... The greatest sort of step forward since Medicare was the Affordable Care Act. And the thought that you'd completely get rid of that, disrupt the lives of about 175 million people who have employer-sponsored health care and start all over. Now, I don't think that that is a, you know, personally, I don't think it's the best public policy to advance, but I also don't think it's the best politics if we want to win this election. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about another issue that's uh, certainly of interest to Arizonans. Uh, thousands of people come across uh, from Mexico uh, on a regular basis. That affects communities here every day. Democrats want immigration reforms, while Republicans want more border security. How urgent is the situation here, in your view, and how can you break through the political logjam any better than everyone really since President George W. Bush in in their efforts you bet and we do have to address it and look i I, i'm for and i think most democrats are for border security just the idea of sort of this 18th century solution being a wall isn't the best way to either spend taxpayer dollars or move forward i also think that you know we recognize that we need comprehensive immigration reform and it wasn't that long ago that it looked pretty close even with republicans we need uh, to protect dreamers. We need a path to citizenship for those who've worked in our country or lived in our country without documentation, two-thirds of them who've lived over a decade. But the challenge really is where I think we have to confront is first you have a humanitarian crisis at the border exacerbated by us actually cutting, lowering aid to the Northern Triangle countries. You have a bureaucratic mess where 450 immigration judges for now 900,000 cases. But the biggest problem right now, until we can get comprehensive immigration reform, is Donald Trump. I mean, he's using immigration to not only rip families apart, but indeed rip our nation apart. It's not that we need to all new laws of like saying it'll no longer be unlawful to cross the border without documentation. It's his implementation of the laws, which has caused the most significant problems. But your economy in Arizona, our country's economy, relies on immigrants. And we have to figure out that way 
to actually get to that point, because I think most folks actually wanted this comprehensive immigration reform. Right. So, you know, speaking to sort of this this deadlock, though, that we see between the parties on this as an issue, uh, is there anything in your background you think voters should consider that suggests that you may be able to succeed where other presidents have have not been able to uh, break through? Yeah, well, and in a general perspective, um, when it comes to actually figuring out what people need to move policy forward, both as a governor and someone that, you know, I mean, my legislature has ranged from two-thirds Republican to about 60% Republican now. And I've always been able to find a way to recognize that um, most people's lives, you know, and that's all throughout Arizona. It's too hectic even for politics. You know, they're more worried about, is my kid going to get sick? Is my car going to break down? How can I make sure to keep a good job? But the values that people hold generally are much the same. You want a safe community. You want a roof over your head, a decent job, you know, clean air, clean water, good public schools, the belief you can do better for that next generation. And I think that's where I've always been able to be successful. I said, let's actually look at the values that we share. And when it comes to immigration, as an example, that the values that we do share is that we want a strong economy. We appreciate the diversity. We want people to play by the rules, though. And we need to be able to find more commonality than what's dividing us here. Right. So you've referenced the economy a couple times here. So far, the economy still seems to be doing reasonably well, uh, which begs the question, why should we change leaders next year when things are doing pretty okay? Well, it is doing well in some respects, but if you actually look at job growth and wage growth over the last two and a half years, it's been slower under Trump than it was even for Obama. I mean, from the perspective of, and there's even a report that came out yesterday that income inequality is greater today than it ever has been since it started being recorded. So the problem really, and the challenge is who's benefiting from this? And we've got to make sure that we have an economy that works for the middle class and people would be able to climb the ladder up. When you have over 40% of Americans that wouldn't have 400 bucks in their pocket in case of emergency, medical emergency, or the car broke down, you know, it's pretty clear that uh, this economy is not working for everyone, and we need to start to make sure that everybody can have that opportunity. Um, let's shift gears just a bit. Uh, the president is now facing an impeachment inquiry in the House. How do you feel about his alleged dealings with Ukraine, and is impeachment a wise decision about a year out from an election? Yeah, and Ron, I was one uh, until this past week that I didn't want to go down a path of impeachment because at the end of the day, I don't want to make this next 14 months all about Donald Trump. I want to make it about the voters. But between you know, withholding foreign aid, from him saying that he needed Ukraine to do us a favor, directing Ukraine to work with his personal lawyer and his AG, and kind of the cover-up of it, making an email server or you know, putting this on a separate, complete server. I don't celebrate that we're going down this path of um, impeachment, but I think doing the right thing for our country is probably more important than certainly any political expediency. And this was a line that the inquiry really has to be undertaken. If we don't undertake that, I think what we're saying basically for the norms of the democracy are very, very challenged.
But I also, you know, I think we need to be judicious, those in Washington. We need to understand that a whole lot of folks in this country who honestly believe that this is just a setup against Trump. And I think the greatest, one of the greatest threats that our country faces is this great political division. It's one of the reasons why I got into this race. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, Governor, one last question here. Arizona went for Trump in 2016. Give us the elevator pitch. Why should they take a a different path this time? Well, I think it's not only for your entire state, but it's for your down-ballot races as well. We need somebody at the top of the ticket that can actually win back places we lost, give people a reason to vote for us, not just against them. Someone who's won in areas which is a lot of Montana a lot more challenging than even the state of Arizona, but making that connection, the government can make a difference in their lives in a positive way and economically that they have a better shot at a fair future. And as a governor, someone from outside of Washington, D.C., someone who's actually had to work with very disparate groups to get things done, I think I could do that better than anybody else in this field. Very good. Well, Governor, we appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us on the gaggle. We'll let you run and safe luck uh, on the campaign trail. I appreciate you having me on today, Ron. Take care. You bet. Take care. All right, listeners, let's dive into some political afterthoughts. So we've heard the governor's pitch. He is a populist governor. He won in a Trump state. Does he really stand a chance, though, in 2020? Spoiler alert, no. But he's, look, he's lending his voice to this campaign. He's trying to offer uh, a message that Democrats need to heed more broadly, that you need to be able to talk to red America, not just the people who you already have. And I think that a lot of his platform is not super different than what you might hear from a lot of other more progressive Democrats. But again, everything with Governor Bullock is packaged in the idea that he knows how to at least command attention and even get results from Republicans and people who Democrats are not used to dealing with. And Democrats, at least some of them, are looking at him as a potential candidate maybe for Senate. And they see that, you know, maybe that's where they could really flex their muscle and where we could see the governor have maybe deeper and broader impact. Uh, Democrats need, what, three or four seats to to control uh, the Senate. And he has until March to make up his mind if he decides to drop out, out of the Democratic uh, presidential field if he wants to pursue that route. Right. So Democrats are looking ahead. Uh, It's unlikely that he will get the presidential nomination, but he clearly does have some effectiveness, especially in his home state of Montana, where there's a Senate race. And this is something that um, it may be hard for some folks to believe that Montana has history of electing Democrats. But look at John Tester, look at Brian Schweitzer. They have done this. It's not that long ago. And this is someone who has had electoral success very recently, who Democrats see as giving them a shot in a state where uh, Republicans really would rather not compete. They'd rather focus on places like defending Martha McSally here in Arizona or trying to hold on to some other seats. So what Bullock would do if he steps out of the presidential race is give them a much better shot at competing in Montana. 
We'll see if he does. Well, that's it for today, Guggle listeners. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Taylor Seeley with oversight from Katie O'Connell. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.